Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And today we're welcoming back our honorary guest co-host at this point, honestly. She's a four-time Survivor player, three-time Drop Your Buffs guest. So wow. we're getting there. We're, we're almost matched. And she's the winner of Survivor Micronesia and icon of Survivor Cook Islands, Heroes versus Villains, and of course, Winners at War, Parvati Shallow. Hi, Parvati. How are you? Hey, I'm coming for your jobs, guys. <laughs> you, you really are. <laughs> has anyone else been on the show as many times as me? Has it been a th- another three-person co-host? Like, technically, no. But so Ricard Foyer of Survivor 41 was an interview guest, and then we became real-life friends. And so he's joined as, like, a co-host because we cover Australian Survivor together, me and him. So Mm -hmm. through that, he's been on many times, but I don't – it's, like, it's a different category, right? Uh, I think that we've had had two-timers. We have Jerry Manthe on twice. Oh, She filled in for Evan one time. Um, But that's it, right? No, the only other one on the roster of, like, Desire. Well, obviously, we want all of our guests back, but the in pursuit at the moment would be Ozzy for the two timers club. But I feel mm. like to get into the three timer, I feel like you're in a rarefied space. I mean, it feels like it feels really like special air quality mm. up here. Yeah. Like I'm drinking ozone right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and you know, it's like a Gwyneth Paltrow moment. Truly. It's the bone broth of the podcast world. (laughs) It's true. And obviously, you know, as we're saying, you are a three-time guest, but Parvati, it's my understanding, and and tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here, but you will be entering the podcast space uh, soon yourself. Is that correct? Yes. Can we tease it? Yeah, let's tease it. Great. I am working on a podcast that's going to go alongside my book, and it's a. I've recorded a couple of episodes so far. I talked to Sean and got the whole lowdown on how to do a podcast in the technical way. So I'm following in your footsteps. Yeah, but don't Thank blame me for, if anything goes wrong. Um, no, I will only give you credit for when things go right. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm following in your in your rarefied footsteps of building a podcast. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I survived. Now what? And I'm going to be having conversations with people who have overcome really significant challenges in their lives, who are iconic individuals and healers, teachers of all kinds to share different healing modalities and practices to help people kind of get a sense of how to live in a totally different way, living away from survival mode, living out of fear and living from a place of Safety, love, regulation, creativity, just like upgrading your life in all arenas. And it'll mm. be fun. I love that. Mm. We, we, the it's world happening. needs more poverty. And I feel like every time you're on, and people just want more of you. And you're so insightful and you have so much great, not just survivor insight, but life insight. And so I feel like now people are going to get doses of that 
right into their ears, right into their brains. And I feel like that's what everybody needs. It's good medicine. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Parvati, we had the, well, excuse me, I had the good fortune of meeting you in person several weeks ago. And one thing that you said that really has stuck with me in the subsequent weeks, amongst many things that you said, but, you know, you sort of talked about this idea that for a period of time, you sort of stepped back from the survivor verse because of the way the treatment from the fandom at the time. And over the course of the last few years, I'm not sure if it's precipitated by the COVID rewatch by so many, but you've come to find the large faction of the fandom who loves you, or perhaps there's been a re-examination within the fandom about the way certain players, in particular women, in particular women that are successful on the show, are treated. And as such, it's made you more prone to lean into the survivor verse because it doesn't feel perhaps as toxic as it once did. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that because that's really stayed with me, the idea. And it's also very parallel to Sarah Michelle Gellar's experience with Buffy is learning that there's um, perhaps a fandom that was not present at the time that has since come around. Oh my God, I love any comparison to Sarah Michelle Gellar. So <laughs> yes, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, at the time that I played Survivor, it was such an intense period of time in my own life personally. And then I went and did Survivor and Survivor was super traumatic for me in general, just like going into the dark and doing the things that I needed to do to win the game and to succeed as, as well as I did in the game was intense. And then coming back and then re-entering my regular life, it was like crazy intense what was happening in my life. Like my brother was experiencing like his drug addiction. My family didn't really know how to handle that. We were setting up an intervention. It was so much intensity in my personal life. And then on top of that, fans of the show and what I was hearing from fans of the show and from people I met on the street were like, we love to hate you at my house. And I was called a slut many times. And there were pictures on the internet of like my face with like cum dripping off of it. And it was just like gross. I talked to Andrea Belke. She also had similar experiences. So I've, I've had conversations with young women who went out and played in our 20s who were cute, flirty, intelligent, savvy women at the time who were completely vilified just for being existing in that category. And to me, it was like, it was enough to put me off of Survivor. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was doing the Survivor after show. I was going out as a member of the press at the time. So I really wanted to create a different role for myself. I wanted to be seen as somebody who was um, intelligent, who could succeed in my own right, who was, you know, separated from this like sexy vixen villain that I had been uh, categorized as and how the public was seeing me. So, and then I moved to New York City and I started working at CBS News. I took a job as the health editor at CBS News. Not a lot of people know that about me or remember that. But I worked at CBS as a journalist for um, about a year. And I did that to reposition myself in like society as this, as a person who wasn't known 
for being on Survivor as a person who wasn't a reality television star because I had been so shamed for that. And I had internalized that shame. I was like, oh, this is not a good thing. This is not like people aren't seeing me as smart um, or I got capable of doing something that's like a, a, you know, helpful thing for society. So it was just, uh, it was, it was really challenging for me. I had a complete, um, like personal crisis around my identity and my self-worth coming back from Survivor. So then doing CBS News, I was the, I was the health editor and I would do stories around addiction. I would do stories around, um, psilocybin and the use of psychedelics and addiction was so fascinating to do that kind of work. But um, working in news was really just not a fit for me at all. And I remember telling my boss, I was like, I think I'm going to I'm going to leave this job. And she started crying and she was like, no, you can't leave. And I was like, but it's not it's not me. And she was like, "Okay, we'll put you on the desk at CBSN. CBSN was the most coveted job at CBS News at the time. It was the new 24-hour online streaming news platform that they were launching. And Ebony Williams was on and they had just let her go. And they were like, she's she's too green. And I was like, she's amazing. You guys are crazy. And you want me to step in and do this? Like, she's amazing. So I stepped in and I did it next to Vlad Dutier, who's now a big time reporter at CBS News. I think he just is, I think he's anchoring his own show now. And Vlad was like, oh, let me give you some tips. And I was like, okay, well, I need all the tips because I am not a broadcast news reporter, but I'm going to pretend like I am today. So we are having the news cycle and it's all like stories about beheadings, wildfires, people getting shot, spiders raining down in Australia. And I was like, I can't talk about this. I can't, I can't do this. This is not, I can't. (laughs) So I did like two days on the desk at CBSN and I was like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. And I just quit. And I was like, who am I? And I just started teaching yoga and I had a moment where I completely stepped out of the public eye intentionally to regroup and to reset and to come home to myself. And I just practiced yoga and I taught yoga at a studio. I was making like seven bucks an hour at this Kundalini yoga studio in New York City and just riding my bike around the city thinking like, okay, what's next for me? And um, and then I moved back to LA. I got married, I got pregnant, I moved back to LA and I was like, okay, I'll... I'll like start to kind of dip my toe back into the survivor scene. They called me for winners at war and I wasn't planning to do survivor ever again. And I had just had a baby and then they sucked me back in. I said, yes, I went out and played and it was fun. It wasn't the same as when I did survivor in my twenties, when I did survivor in my twenties, there's a cultural stigma around women, around women who embrace the sexuality of their bodies, who embrace their feminine power, who are willing to use that to advance themselves in the game. And I think it's a power that women have and should be able to use to advance themselves in the game. 
And I applaud and celebrate the women who are doing that. And it makes me, um, it's, it's disturbing to me how these women are now being voted off right away in these new seasons. I don't like it. I think that there has to be some kind of uprising amongst the women to get back into a power position where they are really claiming their voice, claiming the power of their sexuality and sensuality and using it. It's fine. That's what the game is about. And I think going back out there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to promote any woman who is in their 20s, who's in their 30s, who's single, who's who's has the the trifecta of like the intelligence, the beauty, and the brains. Uh, I already said intelligence, but the beauty, the brains, and the sex appeal. Who can get out there and who can actually use that to get ahead because it is super powerful. I feel like I'm really rambling, but that's did you story. Did you feel like in the 10 years between Heroes versus Villains and Winners at War that coming back and putting yourself back into the Survivor scene in such a visible way, did you feel like the fan response was different the second time around? Or sorry, not the second time around, the fourth time around. Yeah, coming back from Winners at War. Yeah. Oh my gosh, when I went back for Winners at War, I had been out of the Survivor scene for a really long time, like probably 10 years. Um, and then I went back in as a totally different person and as having enough time gone by where fans who have watched the show could see uh, that there weren't people who were playing like me. There weren't women who were stepping forward and and really embracing the power of a sexy bod and a flirty nature and the ability to navigate um, with strategy as well and work the way that I needed to work to advance myself in the game the three times I played so differently. So I think, I think having enough time going by where they could see that the there weren't other people like me, then then people respected my gameplay in the, it's like, you know how uh, Harry Potter has the trilogy or the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something like, it felt like it was my trilogy. Mm. And then people could see, oh, she's a real, she's a standout survivor player. And then I had a bunch of new fans. I had people who were not, um, People who were really awesome fans of Survivor and just people in general. And then when I came back from having played and the show started airing, I launched a coaching program and I met some of my fans who signed up for my coaching program. And I'm like, these are extraordinary people. I mean, they were people who had really incredible jobs in the corporate world who are also musicians, creatives, artists who are working to who are working as activists who are like really doing some big things in the world and they were drawn to me because of how I performed in Survivor and used my voice and was brave and endured in challenges and they wanted to know mentally how I did that because they wanted to do it in their own life 
And so it was less of like a fan who wanted to kind of suck the life out of me. And it was more of a fan who wanted to learn how to use the strategies that I learned to get ahead in their own life. And I was like, this is very cool. This is exciting for me. So yeah, I've moved more and more towards survivor and really reflecting on my own survivor journey to use that in a way to support other people through big challenges, through big life transitions, through overcoming trauma, through leaving unhealthy relationships or unhealthy jobs that aren't aligned for them, to moving beyond a place of trying to fit in to what society and culture tells them is right for them and to getting in tuned into a place of what's right for them authentically so they can live their life from their own personal power and then they can create this really extraordinary life. So I'm excited now about how my journey through Survivor has kind of settled into a whole new place where I can use it, I can speak to it, and other people can relate to it in a way that helps support them through really big things in their lives. Mm. And not for nothing, I think, too, I mean, there's a larger conversation about the way society has changed in the last decade plus. Um, I can't help but think about Britney Spears and sort of the way in which there's this public re-examination that continues to happen around figures like her or Amanda Bynes or or people that were previously perceived one way because of this largely misogynistic media culture that we have. And now, thanks to more women in media, but also social media, which allows more women to have voices, we're able to sort of go back and recontextualize people properly and and celebrate a lot of people who might have been slut shamed or body shamed or, or these things that were so normal within the culture we can go back now and say wait a minute this was we, this is not how things should have been done um okay but obviously we love survivor um we do but there's something else <laughs> we like i'm not going to say more i'm going to say something else that we like as well as uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say more, but I'm not not saying more. Um, and that is a show called The White Lotus. Now, Parvati, I think you're aware that there is a groundswell on the internet right now that's happened since season two aired because, you know, we had Alec Merlino, who was a part of season one. We had Kara. Is it Kara or Kara? Kara. Kara. We had Kara and Angelina appear in season two. And so one of the tropes, in addition to bringing back a single character each season, you know, we had Jennifer Coolidge back from season one to season two. One of the tropes that many people are hoping to see carry over is the continuation of a season uh, survivor players on The White Lotus. Um, So far, we've gotten only season 37, which is Mike White's season. It makes sense. But now that we're, you know, we're thinking big, fans are wanting you on the White Lotus. And interestingly, uh, there is a picture that was going around the internet. You posted on your story. I cannot believe you didn't post this to Grid, by the way. And that, that is a photo. There's still time. It's a timeless okay, photo. maybe I'll go back and post it on Grid. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just telling you when you sent that to me, like alarm bells went off. Anyway, it's a photo of you on the street with the one and only Emmy Award winning, Golden Globe Award winning Jennifer Coolidge. There is some backstory here. And so 
part of the reason we wanted to have you here today is to talk us through, and apparently this meetup happened between Mike, Jennifer, you, Kara, Angelina, ETC, question mark. So anyway, the floor is yours. Can you tell us about (laughs) this meeting, this party, this get together, whatever it was? Um, Okay, so all roads lead back to Evan too, by the way, because you and I, (laughs) well, you and I had a drink the other day and you were telling me this story about Jennifer Coolidge and how you had ridden the car with her and she was going over the speed bumps and you were like, holding on for dear life and I was like did you did you tell her to slow down and you're like well no (laughs) no I didn't of course not (laughs) so when I met her I shared that story just so you know oh I love it and we bonded immediately yeah and she was like what is he talking about she would say that she's like she's like I don't think that even happened Uh uh-huh of course it didn't (laughs) okay so um I have been emailing back and forth with Mike White. I actually reached out to Angelina because we're friends on Instagram. We've never met in person, but we follow each other on Instagram. She's a mom. She has now a new baby. She's just, I just like love her. And she shared Mike's email with me. So we've been emailing back and forth since December. I've been trying to meet up with him. I love the White Lotus. I am a huge fan of everything about the show and I think Mike's hilarious. So we've been just playing email tag. He's been all over the world. And I completely forgot uh, that he'd sent me an email saying like he was back in town in March and that we should we should connect. I just like, it was like in and out of my mind. And then he emailed me like a few days ago and he was like, hey, sorry, this never happened. Um, I'm going to be out of town for the rest of the year. But I'm having a few friends over to my house for pizza before I head out. You should come by. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I had my daughter this that weekend. And I was like, all right, I'm getting a babysitter. I'm heading over there. Here I go. And so I got a babysitter. I headed over. And I was just like, he lives right down the street from me. He's like 10 minutes away. So it was really fabulously convenient. And I, I pop into his house and Angelina's there and I run over, I meet her baby. It was really sweet. So it was our first time meeting in person and she is lovely. Alec was there as well. Um, so I, I met him and then Kara, Kara came later. And of course, the fabulous, the statuesque, the goddess, Jennifer Coolidge. I see her out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, be cool. <laughs> don't freak out. So I was like, don't run over to her immediately. Just like give it some time. There's going to be a moment. So I'm just kind of waiting, waiting for my moment. I'm chit-chatting with some other people. Like Mike's manager is there or Mike's agent is there. Um, his EP, Dave, is there. There's a lot of people kind of bouncing around. All of a sudden, it happens. I just, I turn around and she's standing directly in front of me and I just moved towards her. Like my whole body just opened in a warm embrace, like the warmest embrace you've ever seen. It just was like, just like sunshine pouring out of my body like a Care Bear. And I look at her and I'm like, can I hug you? And she's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I give her this huge hug and I'm like, hi, I'm Parvati. She's like, Jennifer. And there's someone standing next to me and I will forever adore this person who's standing next to me who just who just like giddily introduces her, her to me 
with like all of all of this stuff about me and I'm like oh thank you they're like oh she's a she's a legendary survivor player she is like on Mount Rushmore of survivor and I'm like oh my god stop this is <laughs> so great and I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like but I love you I love you and she is just like oh oh you're you're not an actress I know you're not, you look just, I thought you were an actress. I knew from, you look so familiar. Like, and, and I was you're like, like oh. have you ever seen Into the Blue too? Yeah, Into the Blue too. my uh, out, my, my uh, award-winning volleyball performance. <laughs> that must be it. That's got to be it. So we just bonded and I was telling the story about Evan and we were laughing like we were cackling like a coven, just instant best friends in my mind. I don't know if she feels the same way, but I just I loved her. And Mike was like looking at us smiling. And I just think like we are. I mean, we're definitely sisters now, at least. And then she was leaving the party later, like. We went our separate ways. We were just talking around. I lost track of her for the rest of the party. And then she's leaving and she's like, I'm leaving. And um, and I'm like, no, no, please. I haven't, I like, I haven't got a picture with you. I'm like, you can't leave. So then Dave is gonna, it's her ride, and and I had been chatting with Dave for a while. And I was like, okay. I look at Angelina, I was like, and Kara, I was like, can I get a picture with her? Is that creepy? Like, people have been getting pictures of me this whole party. Like, why am I so nervous to get a picture with someone? I'm like happy to take pictures with everyone all the time. But for me, when the tables are turned, I'm like, I don't want to ask her for a picture. Oh my God, it's like so creepy. And they were like, no, go get it. Go get it. So I ran out into the street. And she's standing there waiting for Dave. And I'm like, Dave, take the picture. And so now we're standing together. <laughs> and I'm like, can I take a picture with you? I'm like, so awkward. I'm like, can I take a picture with you? It's okay. You can say no if you want to. Like, you don't have to. And she's like, oh, yeah. Like, can I put my sunglasses on? And I'm like, you look beautiful. You look gorgeous. So she throws her sunglasses on. And we're like looking at each other and we're making the pouty face and the pursed lips and the, it's like a whole photo shoot on the sidewalk. <laughs> Dave's taking multiple photos. And then, um, and then Dave goes inside. He's like, I got to say bye to Mike. She's like, I don't want to say bye to Mike. Let's go. We're out of here. <laughs> and Dave runs back in and Dave's like, so I'm standing on the street with Jennifer just like laughing because she is the funniest person on the planet she is exactly who she is on the White Lotus, like so hilarious. And I'm just laughing at everything she's saying because she's like talk. I, I can't say all of the jokes that she was saying. I don't want to like spill it. I'm going to keep that. I'm just going to keep that <laughs> keep forever. Something. Just for me, I'm going to treasure it in my treasure box. <laughs> but she is like the funniest person in the world. And I love her so much. No, Parvati, I I do have to go back to you not posting it to Grid because, (laughs) you know, you had the inclination to take the photo, right? Like something compelled you to say, I had this incredible moment. I want to capture it and keep it. And you texted me the photo and I'm like, oh my God. And my immediate thought is like, let's get this up. And then I see you're on stories. And so I just got to ask, it's like, what, what does it take to get to the Parvati Grid? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'll 
post it to Grid now since okay, you're asking I'm for it. That's I'm just what it saying takes. it's just like it's a monumental moment and like you have this built-in connection to the show. Like even so even a, a selfie with Jennifer Coolidge was is already something that like straight to grid. But then it's like on top of that, you have like your connection to the White Lotus, obviously hers. And I also feel like you can sort of have a hand in, you know, keeping the conversation going about fans desiring to see you on season three. I would love to be on the show. I want to be like my dream role is to be the yoga teacher at the wellness center or something or at the hotel, like the hotel yoga teacher who's like hitting on her students. Mm. It just like walks around, kind of floats around and like sprays people with in like a aromatherapy and like gives them little like a little too touchy feely massages, you know, mm. where they're like, oh, that's, that was a little. Did you say this to Mike White? Um, no, I didn't say that to him. I'm just I'm just saying it right now. I mean, I assume he knows he should know. He has to know. I'm like, I was like, I love the show because I'm working on a writing project. I was asking him about how he writes. He writes by himself. I don't know how he does this. He is the most talented individual. Like, I was like, so how do you do it? Do you like act out the conversation in your room when you're writing the script? And he was like, yeah, I'll just like stand in one spot and I'll act it out and then I'll respond to myself from another place. And I just don't know how he does that by himself. I have to have multiple accountability partners to help me write anything. Else I'll just go hiking all day. I get it. So when you get to the party, I mean, you know, we've talked about the Jennifer of it all, but also the Mike thing is a big moment. Um, you know, it's you're meeting the Mike White, but then you also have this unique position where you're Parvati, you're more legendary in the game of Survivor than Mike is. So there's like that funny thing of like, obviously he's Mike White, but in the world of Survivor, like, you know what I mean? So what was that meaning like? Because I have to imagine, and, and we know well, Mike White is a fan of the game of Survivor. So I think it is very easy to believe that Mike White is a fan of yours. So what was that energy exchange like? Oh, it was... It was perfect. It was everything about the day was perfect. It was so dreamy. You know, when you have those moments where you just feel like you're floating on a cloud and there's like rainbows and sparkles all around you and just like ice cream raining down from the sky. You just have to open your mouth and just there it is. <laughs> like, that was my feeling. Like, Not spiders so... raining from the sky, but ice cream. Not spiders. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, he is, he's, he's great. He, it was cute. Um, I found out that when I was playing Heroes First Villains, he and, um, he and his friends would watch the show at his house and he had a bird named Parvati. No. And he had another bird named Russell. Russell. Not Russell. <laughs> he had a Parvati and a Russell bird. And I said, wait, were they love birds? And he goes, yes. <laughs> they were love birds. Wow. And then he's like, I'm sorry, they died. <laughs> Did you happen to find out which one died first? <laughs> 
Wow. That was probably my favorite <laughs> piece of information that came out of the day. I have to imagine the Parvati bird turned on the Russell bird one day and just attacked. Yeah. Uh, like pecked its eyes yeah. out. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm done with you, sir. <laughs> You've served your purpose. <laughs> Wow, wow. Yeah, he's awesome. I was just, I really was just fascinated about his writing process. And I was asking him questions about that. And he uh, was talking about the game. I think everyone's really happy with this season of Survivor. Everyone is very disappointed with the 26-day version of Survivor. I asked Mike if he would play again. He said yes, but he would want to play a 39-day. And I was like, I would I would do a 26 because, you know, then I wouldn't have to leave my kid for so long. So, like, 26 works for me. Not that I would play Survivor again, but this was the conversation. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're excited about a legend season. I could see um, Angelina, Kara, and Mike uh, getting together in, a, in an alliance for a legend season, right? Well, this, like oh, a well, the, 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 wait a second, Parvati. This begs the question because I feel like... Angelina is definitely on the legend season. Mike is definitely on the legend season. No offense to Kara, but like I don't know that she's legend status. Love her. There's just like, limited spots. Yeah, we've yeah, there's only so many <laughs> spots. And but maybe you know, she could make a cameo like how Cochrane did on the boat yeah, that one yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> uh she, yes, she could. She could. <laughs> definitely could. I don't know about like taking her advice in the game, but well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, she could definitely make a cameo. Maybe in a reward challenge, like she's like um, there to hang out. I like that. She's like braiding people's hair. Yeah, yeah. In a reward challenge. Yeah. Um, but okay. okay, so Mike, Angelina, whether you like it or not, you was there any? <laughs> is there? <laughs> Was yeah. this day perhaps the, <laughs> planting the seed of a pre-game final three for season fifty of Survivor? Of me, Mike, and Angelina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a winning threesome. Truly, it's like split the votes three just ways like, and just honestly. give them all the crown. Yeah, I think Angelina and Mike should have both won their season. So, oh, I would say maybe so. Yeah, they're due for that. <laughs> I think they did win their season. Actually, I've, yeah, I've just looked it up. Uh, yes, they actually they both won. It was a tie. And there was nobody in third place. Yeah, congratulations to them. Well done. Right and me. how great that you got to play with them on Winners at War. So it was so fun. <laughs> God, oh, God, what a drive that would have been. Can we please just go back and rewrite history? Yeah. so fun. Yeah. My, my vote out at Winners at War is so tragic. I no kidding. It's getting it. more and more tragic as the, as the time rolls on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So are you watching Survivor 44? I am watching Survivor 44. I am loving it. I I like it because of the cast. The cast is amazing. Jam Jam and Carolyn, mm-hmm. top two. Love the little showmance with Matt and Franny, the cutest. Mm-hmm. Like when have we had a nerdy showmance like that? It's we've been so due for something like that. Totally. It's just adorable. And the right people are getting voted out so far. So well, I mean wow. we don't all, like I don't like I don't like how like enough time has gone by, so I've forgotten about this, but I don't like how the young, attractive, smart 
socially aware females are getting voted out. I think this is a problem. And I think this shows um, sort of like where we're at in society as far as the cultural fear around women who are uh, so who have all of those strengths and qualities. Like people are like, oh, God, don't let them get together. Don't let them get any power. Quick, we've got to vote them out. Because I always think Survivor is sort of a microcosm of what's happening in our culture at large. So that is an issue, but I do like the eccentric oddballs. I really love the um, Three Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> like Alliance. I think it's so fun. It is. What are you thinking about this season? I feel like Carolyn is the first like iconic player we've had since Angelina. I mean, maybe Sh- Shan is up there, but I feel like Carolyn is just bringing something that is so unique that we haven't seen in a long time. I felt like they really steered away from casting Carolyn-esque figures for a long time because to me, I I see the roots of like the Carolyn archetype in uh like coach um to an extent Russell, uh uh, uh Philip Shepard, like those kind of oddball kind of weirdos, but they would always be men. It would always be men that had these like bigger than life personalities and wild stories and to see finally all these years later after them really going for like the average joe for a long time um to bring carolyn on here and just let her do whatever the hell she wants in her confessionals and on the camp and you know uh, debating the pronunciation of bag um you just don't get that anymore so i'm loving well matt van wagenen is very excited about Carolyn. He was oh. so jazzed about Carolyn when I talked to him. He's like, she's hilarious, just the way she moves her face. Like, she's always moving her eyeballs <laughs> like that. <laughs> he loves it. And um, and so he got, he like kind of threw that little breadcrumb for me to get excited about Carolyn. And then when I started watching her, you know what I think stands out about her is that she's a total oddball and she's aware, and she's yeah. smart, and she's playing well. Yeah. And nobody knows when she's lying or not because she's so kooky. You can't really tell, and nobody thinks she's actually playing. They have cast kooky women before, like Deb. You remember like Deb? Deb yeah. She was kind of – Yeah, and then the one person who, like, had a million jobs, and she always was changing her – is that the same That's person? the same person, yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> she was like played so many parts, I didn't know who she was. Yeah, truly. But those women were were like out of touch. Like they yes. were so whack that that yeah. was their whole, that was their one dimensional act. And then it did, it did, we didn't really care if they did well in the game or not. They were just kind of like comic relief. But Carolyn is really unique and special. I think she's she's a rare gem. Yeah. That's very, very difficult to cast. And um, I think they nailed it with her. Gosh, she's good, huh? Yeah. And we do need to see women like that. Yeah, I think that there's a self-awareness to Carolyn where I think it has to do with her life because she also has a story that they haven't really done a dive into her story about overcoming addiction and then becoming an addiction counselor and there's i think that there's probably a lot of self-awareness and inner searching that goes on with that process and so i think she's got a really strong sense of self and that self just happens to be 
wildly different than most people and most people that she is uh, stranded there with on her tribes. And so it's just coming out as TV gold. Yeah, I think they're doing us all a service by showing the depth of her and showing how every time she's in a group, she's being overlooked. And that's a tragic flaw for the other contestants in the game that they're overlooking her. But how often do we do that in our lives? Mm. When Mm. we're, right? It's kind of a moment where it's like, hey, look at how do you treat someone who's different in a group who kind of sits back and doesn't show up and laugh and play along with all the other jokes that everyone else is saying, who's more socially awkward. Do you overlook them as well? And if you are doing that, look how much you're missing out on because she is such a deep well. And we see her in her confessions talking about how she doesn't blend in those social situations with the big groups. Like she's totally overwhelmed by all of that energy coming at her all at once. She's better at one-on-one or one-on-two. And even with one-on-one and one-on-two, we see her relationship with Jam Jam and it's so funny. It's like they really are kind of cut from the same cloth as far as being kooky characters. And they want to work together, but then they kind of realize that they're the odd balls out. And then they come back together and they're like, oh, she's back with Jam Jam. I just like love their relationship so much. And what I love about how the producers are editing Carolyn is that they're showing this richness and all these different layers of who she is. They're not spoon feeding it to us Mm -hmm. though. You know, it's sort of like, here, look, we're going to show you, not tell you how this person is. And you can kind of decipher all the different layers of Carolyn and then I think for me, it just it just makes me more self-reflective around that. And I like that a lot. I like that they're not cutting away to her home life and being like, here's why you should care about this person. It, like they did with um, the guy who just got voted out, Josh. Here's mm-hmm. why you should care about him. Like he went through these surgeries. He had all this difficult, all these difficult experiences. Like with Carolyn, we don't know. We're just getting to see who she is in the game. And that's enough to have me self-reflect and think about, oh my God, look at all these layers. And having a family member who struggled with addiction. Like I know a little bit about that kind of person and what they have to go through to get sober and to get into recovery and to have a life in recovery It's a lot. These are deeply sensitive, deeply feeling people who um, get into addiction and then come out of addiction. And to survive in a society that we live in and to be that kind of a person who's in recovery, it it requires a depth of self-awareness and it requires a level of intelligence that I don't know that people would understand unless they either have a family member who's overcome that or they are that kind of person or they have like a a close relationship with someone who's in recovery. But I do. So I can like really uh, connect with all these different kind of uh, layers of Carolyn. And I just think she's she's amazing. 
Yeah. I love her. And that dynamic of her and Jam Jam in particular, I think, is so good because so often in, I think, especially Modern Survivor, you really get told how to feel about certain people, right? And that, oh, this person is right and this person is wrong, or this person is delusional and this person's seeing everything, you know, from bird's eye view. Where Jam Jam and Carolyn are really standing toe to toe, they'll have a disagreement. And, you know, Evan and I could sit here on the podcast and each of us could choose a side and we're both, neither of us is wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a nuanced wow. relationship where there's not necessarily like a clear cut of, um, you know, this person is doing better than the other person. And that really reminds me of especially the way you played in Micronesia, where it's like, it comes down to you and Amanda. And it's like, you you both did all the right things. It's really going to come down to like the pitch and how people feel about it afterwards. Um, and so I feel like it's harkening back to some of the glory days of Survivor in that way. Oh, I love that. Mm. And I think it's also what's beautiful about this is it there's so much fluidity um, in relationships. And I think what we're seeing too in society is that there's more acceptance around people being, well, I, I, I think in some circles there's more acceptance in people being who they are in uh, personally and not having to be so cut and dry like, I am this way. These are my beliefs. They don't have to be so staunch. There can be more room for um, changing your mind, for flowing with the twists and turns, um, just in life in general, for holding uh, relationships and holding ourselves with an open palm and letting yourself adapt and change based on what's being presented in front of you. And I think that's like, for me, that's what's so fascinating about the queer community and like looking at relationships now that I'm single, I'm like, oh, there's like so much more fluidity available here. There's just, there's just like life and, and the essence of a person. And I think that that is really cool to watch that play out. I think we're watching it play out with Jam Jam and Carolyn where they're just allowing themselves to be the essence of who they are without having to be like, this is who I am. Look, I fit inside this box that I was cast for. And look, here's how you can understand me. They're not trying to present a persona that we can understand. They're not trying to fit inside of any kind of container that is um, understandable. It's just sort of like, here's the essence of who I am. And it flexes and changes and adapts. And now we're in relationship with one another and we're going to flex and change and adapt around what else is going on with all these other players in this microcosm. And we'll see how it goes. It's like, today I'll be loyal to you. In this moment, I'll be loyal to you because it works for us. And then if we have an argument and if we disagree, I'll take some space and maybe I'll try to work with Josh, but that didn't work. So I'm coming back over here, Jam Jam. It's kind of like they're more willing to be themselves and to be present with what reality is showing them and to move towards what works for them. And I mm. love that because I feel like that's where I'm at personally in my own life. So I'm like taking them as my like role models right now. <laughs> 
Jam Jam and Carolyn, I want to be more like you. <laughs> inspired, inspired choices. Now, Harvey, <laughs> as we wrap up this discussion, you mentioned the word acceptance. And so we did want to touch down um, on some survivor players that are less accepting. Um, in the news right now is, we're not going to name his name, but there's a former uh, player that you played with, actually, and we're so sorry about that, um, on season 40 of Survivor, who's come out. Um, they work in politics, allegedly, and they voice, not only voice, they are a part of some anti-trans legislation that's going around right now in Kentucky. I don't want to give too much space to that person because they don't deserve space, but I did want to talk about, in contrast to that, one of your other former players, uh, one of your former players um, on Cook Islands, Jonathan Penner, who's been a really fantastic voice over the years for many causes, but in this current moment around sort of showing acceptance towards LGBTQ plus people. He recently tweeted about uh, being a proud parent of a non-binary kid. He wrote, um, as the proud parent of a non-binary kid, I say to you, and he's speaking to the player who must not be named, who would protest and even hurt my child out of fear and ignorance. I was once afraid and ignorant too. Now I have learned to love and accept. Try it, please join us or else mind your own business or fuck the fuck off, um, which I love. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts not on uh, the player, whatever, the, the the player that played within the Mike White, Angelina season and just get your thoughts on Jonathan Penner. And I know that you guys were, it was a little contentious for you during, you know, when the two of you played during Cook Islands, but I'm wondering what it's been like for you um, watching him and, and the person he's grown and become over the years. And, you know, you're a parent, he's a parent. Um, just wondering for your thoughts on him. Yeah. I mean, I think that anytime anyone is demonstrating a willingness to share their own personal story vulnerably to help support more acceptance in the world, I am like, I'm here for it. I think that Jonathan Penner and I played at a very different time in my life. I was 23. I was such a baby. I was so like righteous. And <clears throat> he was in a different place too. He's gone through so much tragedy and so have I, honestly. I think it's enriched our lives. I, I think the way that he has moved through the loss of his, like his wife's illness and the loss of her in his life, that's, that is so deeply traumatic. And I just feel for him so much. I think that he's a very intelligent man. And if he's using his voice to um, help other people to see a new way, a new way of accepting people who are different, I think that's wonderful. I bumped into him at Cafe Lux in Brentwood the other day, and it was sweet. Like, he said hi. I said hi. Wow. Yeah, we're good. I don't have any issue with. Oh, and we weren't just I so mean, we're clear. We're not. We weren't implying that there would be like no. ongoing. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No. Not at Parvati, all. Parvati, do you now? This is a little. You have you have a famous friend in common with Jonathan Penner, and that is Sarah Michelle Geller. Because when we first went to Sarah Michelle Geller to be like, who are your favorite Survivor players? She sent a list, a big long list, and she and it ended with, and Jonathan Penner because we were friends with him, and that's a story I don't know, but I hope to one day get. We can get that, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a writer, so they probably maybe work together or their families are connected circles, in some way. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, because he lives kind of in her neighborhood. 
So maybe mm-hmm. their kids went to school together or something. I don't know. That is a good, that's a good question. We yeah. can find that out. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's get you, Jonathan, and Sarah Michelle on the podcast to <laughs> hash it all. I can, share, I can share a special <laughs> story that I've never shared publicly before. Do you Please. want a, a secret story? Yes. We okay, love a secret this story. This is pretty fun. We can end on this if you guys are okay, okay. with that. Okay. So when I was going through casting for Cook Islands, this was the race twist, if you shall recall. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Doubletree Hotel because they used to do that. And they would sequester us for a week in the Doubletree. And we would do all of our producer interviews. And we would watch seasons of Survivor in a dark room with other would-be contestants. We would take all of our psych tests and stuff as a group. But no one would talk to each other. So we're all like staggered going to lunch at the Doubletree Hotel, sitting at different tables, kind of eyeballing each other. And there were these two black guys that were my age. And I was like, one of those guys is going to get cast. Not both of them, but one of them. I didn't know which one. So I had my eye on both of them because I thought they were both pretty cute. And then I got kicked out of the hotel because I went to work one night and, um, and they were like, you can't, they told us like, you can't leave the hotel. You're sequestered here. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get cast on this show. So I should probably go to work. Cause I was in bottle service at the time. I would make like a thousand dollars cash a night. And I was like, I, I don't want to like not do that. I live here. So let me go do that. <clears throat> so my friend came and picked me up. I like dashed out incognito. I thought I got away with it, but apparently they'd called me for an interview and like called and called and called at 9 PM. And I wasn't in my room and they're like, we know you left. So then they kicked me out and they were like, sorry, we can't have you on the show. And I was like, bummer. I really wanted to do it. (laughs) So then I left. I thought I thought it was over. And I'm like going to Nordstrom one day and I'm going shopping and I'm in the shoe department. And who do I see but Nate Gonzalez? And he is a shoe salesman at Nordstrom at the time. Okay. I'm sharing the story because I'm going to see him later today. So he's he. we look at each other and we're like, oh, I know who you are. We'd seen each other at the Doubletree. He was like, at the pool, when I was at the pool, you know? And I was like, oh my God, are you cast on the show? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, they kicked me out. I don't think I'm going to be cast. Like, I'm not going to be on the show. So he's like, well, let me get your number. Let's go out. So we went on a date before no. Survivor Cook Islands. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And we were both like, neither of us said, neither of us knew if we were cast on the show at the time. So it was just like, well, you know, if we go out there, like we can definitely work together because we liked each other. It was like a cute little love match. I can't remember where we went. We went for dinner or something. And then we were both cast on the show and I was like, I can't believe this. Oh my God. It's like the stars aligned. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why we were so close yeah. immediately as we were out there because we had already connected in person. Wow. So was there any jealousy between Nate and James? Because you and James also had this sort of immediate connection. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Micronesia now. Sorry, I'm going yeah. different seasons. Okay, no, this makes sense. Different seasons. Different seasons. Yeah. That was my other like love connect on the island. No, but wow. James and I never dated or anything. Um, but Nate and I dated after the show. Oh. Mm-hmm. For a little bit, for a time. In between Cook Islands and Micronesia? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Am I blowing your mind? 
Well, (laughs) we love lore. Yeah, we love lore. (laughs) Well, that is a Drop Your Buffs exclusive. I love that. Thank you. We love an exclusive. Now, Parvati, before we let you go... Sean is going to tee up oh, yeah. some exciting news. Okay. Is Parvati centric? The last time we spoke in December, I said that Parvati, I was going to send you a bunch of Black Widow Brigade shirts and you were going to sign them and send them back. We have those. The mail arrived by dog sled this winter in Canada. <laughs> And thank you so much for doing that. So we have shirts that we are going to give away. So look for our Instagram post about it. It will go up, I believe, sometime this Good Friday. And what I need you to do to enter to win one of these shirts is to comment on that post your favorite quote by a Black Widow Brigade member. Now, I got a lot of flack. I put up, perfect. I don't even know if you saw this. I put up uh, memes of all the Black Widow Brigade in the Barbie logo for the Barbie movie. And I got a lot of flack for leaving Alexis out. So by all means, put an Alexis quote. Can't think of one, but put one if you can think of one. Uh, you won't get you extra points, but you will get entered. Uh, so... Find that post, enter. There will also be a giveaway specifically for our patrons. We'll do a draw of all of our patrons, uh, and one of them will also win a Parvati-signed Black Widow Brigade shirt. So it's been months in the making, but it's here. Exciting. So exciting. And lastly, when Parvati goes and posts the Coolidge picture to Grid, (laughs) I would love if all of our Drop Your Buffs listeners could comment under Parvati's post with a spider, just so Parvati is aware of the impact of this podcast. I want her to know. Oh, I want yeah. her to know that the suggestion to go to Grid was not done in vain. Yeah. So I just need all listeners to go. You have to double tap first, mind you. Double tap. If you're not following, I mean, if anyone listening to this podcast is already following Parvati, but double tap, comma with the spider. Yeah. And one day Jennifer Coolidge is going to go to your page and be like, what the fuck are all these spiders doing <laughs> under this picture? I can't imagine. Oh, my God. You are blowing my mind. Jennifer Coolidge is going to go to my page. Stop. <laughs> I did text her immediately after and I was like, you met Parvati. But in very Coolidgean fashion, she like goes in and out of being a responder to text messages. I got nothing yet, but I will follow <laughs> It's funny, though, because when you, to the last time I saw her, we had brunch last week, and I had just hung out with Ozzy the night before, and she was so fascinated, because I was so enthusiastic. I was like, oh my god, I hung out with this guy Ozzy, he's like a Survivor legend, and she's always so curious about Survivor, because there's like a part of her, obviously her connection to Mike, but like her fascination with like the adventurous spirit of of contestants like yourself. So it makes sense that the two of you would connect, because I feel like in many ways, I think she really respects people like you that sort of like roll the dice in that kind of way because as actors like there's a very pampered lifestyle and there's something about survivor which is the antithesis of that in so many ways that i think someone like her admires that just like go out there crack open a coconut yeah starve yourselves starve yourself sleep in the dirt Mm -hmm. get rained on 
She will not do the show. I have, I have, I've asked her uh, about that, but I am going to try and see if like at some point I can get her to watch. I'm always, you know, tooting the horn of the show, but she's always watching some weird like show. You know, Mae Martin does these watch parties. Well, you know, I'm friends with Mae Martin now. I do. Since our connection. I do. Yeah. I went to their, I went to their comedy show and then we've been like texting ever since. They're so funny. And they do watch parties. They do watch parties, and actually, so they co-starred with Lisa Kudrow on their show Feel Good, and apparently Lisa Kudrow is a Survivor fan. And actually, the last time I was in LA, May mentioned getting you, me, Lisa. There was a whole thing, like, they had this idea, and I was like, oh my god, I'm not free, blah, blah, blah. It was the week after I was going to be there. But anyway, there, there will come a time where we will get all of these factions of fandom from Lisa Kudrow to Sarah Michelle Gellar to Jennifer Coolidge. We'll get them all together. Okay, like when this happens, can someone send me a text? I'll I'll fly to LA, like, please. (laughs) Sean needs to be there. I'm quitting the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we already know I can co-host, so Sean, don't (laughs) fire yourself. Great. (laughs) I'm kidding, I would never. No, no, Um, it'd be me fire And that photo will go straight to grid. Okay, thank you. Great to grid. grid. Thank you. I just feel like it's gay rights. It's not gay rights unless that photo goes to <laughs> yeah. grab. Yeah. Okay. You know? I am on it. I stand for gay rights. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Parvati, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm very glad to welcome you to the Three Timer Club, and I look forward to adding you to the ex- very exclusive Fourth Timer Club whenever mm-hmm. you have the time. It'd be great around the time you launch the podcast. We can do a cross-brand to... Get get the eyeballs and the earballs on your new pod. Earballs, earballs, yeah. ear earballs, ear holes. Ears, <laughs> just ears. <laughs> ears. I like earballs. <laughs> just ears. Let's always bring in some balls. Yeah. Um, but for those that don't know, obviously follow Parvati <laughs> yeah. on her social media platforms. She'll have updates about both the podcast and the book that's coming down the pipeline. I've said it before. I'll say it again. As someone that had the opportunity to take a look at the, uh, the what's it called? The pitch? What's the thing? I've done it before. I don't even know. The proposal. The proposal. Yeah, yeah. That part. As someone who had the opportunity to read the proposal, in addition to Parvati's story, being so incredible. I think you probably know this having watched her on Survivor and listening to her now, but the way Parvati tells her story is equally as good as the story itself, which is not always the case when people write memoirs or books about their lives. So I really want to encourage people to, you know, keep your eyes and earballs on the podcast <laughs> and this forthcoming book. Thanks, Evan. The book is like a long game. I, my deadline is next February. Yeah, so but I they're going to be on me. you about pre-sale very soon, love. So, okay, <laughs> trust, all right, trust then. me. I know nothing about this world. This is a, a whole new adventure. Trust me. me. The more yes. you can plug in advance, the the there's going to be a link sooner than you think. <laughs> okay. There will be a link for pre-sale probably before you even have put pen to paper. That was my experience. So yeah, buy Parvati's book. Oh wow. Pressure. Okay, buy my book. Buy my book. We'll be the first ones. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Parvati. We will talk very soon. Take care. What a pleasure. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.